Welcome to A Walk in My Stilettos, where our goal is to help you walk in your greatness. I'm your host, McKinney Smith. Hey, Faith Walkers. Thank you for joining us on the A Walk in My Stilettos podcast, where we have conversations with amazing women that are letting us step into their shoes. I help women to strengthen their resilience muscle, own their stories, and conquer their fears so they can reach their goals. I get inspired when I see another woman succeeding, but what interests me more is her backstory and her mindset on how she got there. So today's guest is about to bless us with her testimony, and since you're already here, you may as well subscribe. Today we have Nicole McFarlane. She is a mother, wife, registered nurse, and the founder of Brunch and Beauties, which is dedicated to elevating the ladies who brunch experience. Their mission is to connect goal-oriented, positive, and like-minded women from all walks of life through a variety of experiences, not only brunch. And she's partnered with brands like Nordstrom, Trias Winery, Joe Malone, and more. And each event poses as a unique experience from brunch and cocktails to fashion, makeup, women's health, and wellness. Brunch and Beauties is not only about being big, it's about something meaningful. So please welcome to the show, Nicole McFarlane. Yay! Yay! (laughs) Thank you so much for agreeing to come on and share your story with us. Thank you for having me, Nikini. Thank you. It is an absolute honor. I have been waiting to do this interview for some time, and I guess now, especially with COVID, I wanted to have a transparent conversation with someone who was actually in the field, who was at a frontline, you know, a frontline worker. So thank you for taking the time and thank no you problem. for the work that you do. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I love to start the show with an icebreaker question because I believe that as women, we have all these different titles that we go by, all these different names and things that we're called, but I feel that a title that is not given enough significance is our name because our names have meaning. And every time someone says your name, they're declaring that meaning to you. So my first question to you, Nicole, is do you know what your name means? No. <laughs> I love Not it. a clue. <laughs> I, I never even love thought that. about it. I just thought, oh, derivative of Nicholas? <laughs> no, I love it when women don't know the meaning because then I get to tell you. <laughs> uh, okay, this is awesome. I can't wait to hear. So the meaning of Nicole is people's victory. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, how people's how Okay. I've actually yeah. moved by that. Um Yeah, I'm actually I'm I'm at a loss for words with that because I it ties into the line of work I'm in. You um, see that? Uh very much so. Like um for a lot of my patients uh, as being a registered nurse, I am like their their hope, like to help mm. them, especially my families that I work with. I am the end all be all to really help them figure out what decisions to make for their loved ones. Primarily it's their parents um, in terms of their care and what that lo- may look like, whether it is transitioning to a long-term care home or even end of life care mm-hmm. and how they want that to, to look and a big part of that is me helping the families navigate to make these right decisions or whatever is right for their situation. And sometimes it it does require me being very transparent with them and saying like, I know this is what you want, but this may not work because Mm -hmm. of whatever the dynamics may be in the home or whatever is happening. So that is actually pretty, (laughs) it's pretty fitting. Wow. You see, that's why I actually enjoy it when someone doesn't know the name, I mean, the meaning of their name, because when they hear it and they see how it connects to who they are as a person and what someone is declaring to you on a daily basis. So every time someone says your name, they're declaring that you are the victory of the people. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Love it. Victorious. Yes. (laughs) Own it. Own it. (laughs) (laughs) sometimes what we wanted to be as little girls connects to who we are as adults and sometimes it doesn't 
So I always like to ask, you know, what did you want to be when you were a little girl? Just so we can Mm. see where your imagination was back then. Oh, gosh. Interesting. Okay. As a little girl, you know, I had this dream of being a lawyer. I'm going to be a lawyer. I'm going to tell people what to do and, you know, (laughs) know, the law and all that stuff. But then as I just kind of got older, I realized that, and in, in my high school years and my younger years, I was very introverted, like very quiet, um, but loved people. So I was honestly thinking about hairdressing. Mm. And I did a co-op. I, I did a co-op placement at two places. I did a co-op placement at Cut Creator in Malvern at a hairdressing salon. I awesome. did way back when. And then I did a placement also at um, a big law firm on Bay Street. And I didn't like either one of them. Okay. So I, I did have a period of time where I was very, unsh- I, I didn't know what I was going to do, to be quite honest. And then I became pregnant with my son. And at that point, I realized I need to do something that's going to be like, you know, that I will have work forever. Essentially, I can go anywhere in the world and work. And what would that be? And I kind of stumbled into nursing. Like I I signed up. I wasn't sure if this was my thing. Mm -hmm. And then very quickly in my first semester at Humber, I realized this is my calling. Wow. Yeah. I had to become very clear on what I wanted to do and stumbled into nursing. And that's just where I've, I've been like, yeah, for 16 plus years. Wow. So first things first, um, the fact that you wanted to get into hairdressing, when I was younger, I wanted to do the same. So I would do like everybody's hair. But then when you said cut creator, I mean, we have an international audience. So I'm just going to like, for anyone who is outside of Toronto. So it's a hair salon and barbershop. But when you said that, I was like, wow, because uh, originally, when it was opened uh, years ago, it was owned by my sister-in-law and her mother. Wow. And I worked at Car Creator in high school <laughs> because I wanted to get into hairdressing. So I wanted to like learn everything from those ladies and help right. out in the shop. So I'm like, wow, small world. I love it. <laughs> yeah, right. Sometimes I actually really say having my son was a godsend because mm-hmm, absolutely. that time was very unclear like I wasn't getting into any trouble or anything like that but I just didn't know what was next like what I wanted to do you know some people like when they're like 19 20 they have very clear vision about like well I'm going to post-secondary and like I had a boyfriend and he was very clear like he's going to be a lawyer and he's a lawyer today Mm -hmm. but that was like wow going to law school he's going to York and da 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 well, I was just kind of like, well, I, I don't, I think I maybe might want to go to nursing school, but I don't know. And I'm not sure. Um, but having my son really forced me to get serious and figure out what am I doing with my life? Cause I have this kid I got to take care of. How am I going to do that? Right. Right. You know, I do look at him as like the, the thing that anchored me, I guess I could say. I love it. I love it. So you say you stumbled into nursing. Mm-hmm. I guess, how did that happen? If I remember correctly, I remember sitting down with um, a guidance counselor at my high school and they were like, well, what do you want to be? And I'm like, I, I don't know. Well, they're like, what do you think you're good at? And I said, well, I like people because, you know, you'd probably think I don't like people like so I'm introverted, but I'm just like, <laughs> I like helping people. Like I like helping people and I like connecting with people, but I'm not sure what that would look like. And the guidance counselor suggested nursing, but I still would. He's like, oh, well, to volunteer. And I'm like, sir, I'm not volunteering nowhere. Like I, I, I <laughs> uh, my time is not for free. You know, and at that time I was working at Costco. Costco had just come to Canada. Um, at Warden Eglinton. So I had my big, big job paying me big $12 an hour while the minimum <laughs> wage was like $6.85. So I was like, uh, no, I'm not volunteering nowhere because I have this big job and I'm in high school and you want me to do what now? No right. thanks. So, but that still, that stuck with me 
getting into nursing and then I became pregnant with my son. And I'm just like, I applied to Humber. I was like, I'm going to apply to the nursing program. Let me see what happens. And I got in and then the rest was kind of history. Wow. Okay. So in nursing, you're a frontline worker, this pandemic hits and, you know, things are slowly opening back up, but what has your journey been like since the pandemic? Oh my goodness. Okay. So a part of my, so I'm not a, you're in your typical nursing role. So I know a lot of people identify nurses as being in a hospital or being in a nursing home for seniors. So my role is I am, I'm in case management. I work for the ministry of health or now called Ontario health. And I have a specific district that I manage. And in my district, there are 152 clients or patients that I have of varying care needs. So some very, very high, some just very low. And I do anything from long-term care admissions and help facilitate that process into a nursing home. I deal with end-of-life care. I deal with, you know, some social issues, you know, or some family dynamics that are happening in home. So I help them sort that out. Um, so my role, I'm in the community, but I'm not wearing a typical nursing hat. I use a lot of my clinical judgment skills and assessment skills to help families make decisions and navigate the healthcare system, as opposed to going into someone's home and changing a dressing or giving them an injection. My, my role is more, is super administrative, um, but super, super feely. Like right. when I, when I say feel like a lot of pulling of emotion and energy because, and I'm a person who already dials into people's energies and I'm I'm a total empath so sometimes I can walk into someone's home and be like oh good okay it's gonna be it's gonna be a tough one I'm gonna have to stage myself when I get home or walk in there in a great mood and come out just because the situation was just that unfortunate that I'm just like she's okay let me log off my computer for the rest of the day because I need like to think about how I'm going to help this family or this client. I, sometimes mm-hmm. I just don't even know what to do and I can't sometimes solve it in that moment. So I need a few hours to just kind of check out and figure mm-hmm. out how I'm going to help this person. I know I can't solve everything, but what are their key pain points right now that I can help with today within my scope of practice? Wow. So COVID hit. And uh, COVID was a nightmare. Like COVID was a nightmare. A big part of my job is going, like typically I see anywhere from six to 10 people a week in my, my caseload. And I couldn't see any of them. I had to do a lot of it was over the phone assessments. And for the first few weeks, a lot of the families and the patients and the, my patient's children were literally afraid. Mm-hmm. They were petrified. So they didn't want the PSWs coming into their home. They were now working from home. So they were prepared to assume full care of mom and dad because they're home, but also knew that wasn't a realistic option. I had families pulling their loved ones out of nursing homes and taking Mm -hmm. them home and trying to manage their care at home, which was a complete nightmare. I had one particular family who accepted a bed offer to go into a long-term care home and said no, because she was just like, oh my God, the guilt. What if I send mom there and then she develops COVID right. and then she dies? Like, I can't live with myself. And then they're mm-hmm. asking me my opinion and I'm just being very transparent. Like, I'm like, hey, I don't know what to tell you, but what I would can say is if it was my mom or my dad, I'm going to bring them home. Mm-hmm. and kind of ride this out and see what happens. And most of them did that. Some, st- for some, still con- contracted COVID, although they were in their home. Wow. So someone introduced it to them and still ended up in hospital and died. One lady in particular, she got transitioned into long-term care. She was living in her apartment, perfectly fine. Transitioned into long-term care literally like a few days before the government said, okay, full stop of the world, mm-hmm. um, no going in and out. And she developed 
COVID within one week of being admitted. And I felt awful because I felt like she was fine living in her apartment. Right. She was perfectly fine, you know, with maybe a little more support from the family. She probably could have stayed, but they were adamant about proceeding with the long-term care process. So we did that. And then here it is a week later, she is COVID positive. And it was introduced to her by the staff at the home because she was in a private room. So I know for a fact, she didn't go into the long-term care home with COVID. She got it. And I just thought, again, I was just like, oh my God, I'm a part of people signing their kind of their, like, you know, like their death sentence. I I felt awful for a good while. And then I was deployed into one of the, one of the, like one of the homes that was considered like one of our hot spots, mm-hmm. And that in itself was just heartbreaking. Like I just, what I, what I saw with my eyes, the military was there. What I saw our seniors going through, it was absolutely heartbreaking. Like I, I, I was, I was to this day, I'm still speechless. Like yeah, I, I, I was just like, this is, is this how we are treating our seniors in the last few years of their lives after they've given so much to the world? Is this how we're treating them? So that was a tough pill to swallow, um, to, to watch that. So yeah, like COVID has been tough. It's, it's been a roller coaster with work, mainly with work and then having my kids home and managing that as well. And, um, the new norm because had to also school them while I was working. So mm-hmm. it was, it was a hard, like three, four months for sure. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> like I'm, I'm trying to exhale as I'm even listening to you because I totally feel you. Like I'm not, I'm not a frontline worker. I'm not in the position that you're in, but as someone who is not only introverted and also an empath, just even hearing your story, my emotions right now, like my whole body, I'm, I'm feeling the anxiety within my body right now. For yeah. You. Yeah. There are days where I would literally like, I come off the phone with the family and I would just, I would cry because I just, I really didn't know how to help them. Like, okay, you, you're pulling hours. That's fine. That's your choice. But you're also calling me and saying, Nicole, I can't manage mom. Mom is wandering and she's exit seeking and I don't know what to do. And I still got to work, but I don't want the PSW coming in because I'm so afraid that she's going to give her COVID. And I'm just like, oh, okay. So a lot of the times I just spent being either someone's punching bag, you know, because they just really didn't know who else to lash out at or just being kind of their counselor and just really listening and not having any real option for them because at the end of the day they were the ones that can make the decision like oh i want the psw or i don't want the psw i want to do this i i was just there to listen and facilitate whatever it is that they wanted and sometimes it was it was just hard just hearing the family's struggle during this mm-hmm. time i can only imagine i guess my next question would be with everything that you have had to endure during this time being a mom, being a wife, being an empath, taking on the heaviness of being a registered nurse and having to deal with all these heavy decisions and COVID, like, how do you stay motivated right now? So honestly, there's like, the lake is just like 10 minutes away from me. Like, Mm -hmm. so going there on a daily basis in the morning was really good. It helped keep me centered and grounded and just kind of a safe space for me to start my day and then I would just come back home and just be ready mentally to take on whatever I needed to take on and then working out I started working out like maybe well I was always working out but I started working out back with a trainer Mm -hmm. maybe halfway through which ended up being really really I didn't realize how much I needed it. it was really really good and then, you know, funny enough, like listening to podcasts just with yourself and things on Jesus and Jalaw, things that just would make mm-hmm. me laugh. Like I, I just needed like humor, like yeah. nothing too serious. Like I couldn't watch anything serious on Netflix. Like it just needed to be pure foolery, mindless television. 
like reality show stuff. I, I don't want to say anything sad. Like it just needs to be super light. And I was also very, very intentional with the energy I surrounded myself with, like my friends. Yeah. One of my closest friends, she would come over like maybe at least once a week and we would just hang out, eat, drink, whatever. So, and her energy is just super airy, super light. So that really, really, really helped keep me centered. Wow. I mean, I can relate to you on all of those uh, points. I find going by the water, especially since this pandemic began, it's becoming like, it's almost a daily thing necessary for, you know, grounding and calming. And the working out part, I mean, I've been doing minimum 5k walks every single day. How are you doing this? Like, how how is this possible? Uh, But I find it necessary. And also just being physically active. Um, there's a, a term that says uh, healthy healthy motion equals healthy emotion. Mm-hmm. So, you know, to help deal with the anxiety, just to keep moving, right? 100%, 100%. And I had to, mentally, I had to be really, really strong because my son, my oldest is um, high-functioning autistic, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so structure was very, is very important to him. And here it is, his entire routine is blown out of the water right right like he would go to the gym his co-op was at a gym so he'd do that five days a week he would work out there come home rest and then go to his personal gym and do his muay thai training four days a week now he was doing nothing Mm -hmm. so there was a lot of anxiety with him a lot of stress with him because it just he just didn't he understand COVID, but he didn't understand it. And he, it's almost was like COVID was just happening to him and him alone. Right. Right. So a little bit self-centered, um, like, well, I don't understand poor me, woe me. So there was a lot of keeping him, you know, on the straight and narrow and, encouraging him to do things like, you know, so I would schedule for him to go for walks twice a day um, around the neighborhood. I would give him like music to listen to that just to kind of help ease some of his anxieties. Um, And then also got him a set of weights so that way he could work out and train and literally created our own schedule. And then his teacher also created some work for him to do online, you know, Mm -hmm. like job hunting and resume writing and all those things. She was amazing. So she helped create that program for him. So at least there was something for him to do every single day as opposed to just doing nothing. So yeah, I, I had to figure out how to keep myself grounded in order to keep him grounded. I am like almost at a loss for words. You know, sometimes when, here's the thing, a lot of people, when they're going through their own situations, they're in their head saying, you know, the same thing that your, your son is feeling that poor me, you know, I'm the only one that's feeling this. Um, And then sometimes when we hear other people's stories, we're like, wow, like if we were all to put our problems into a pile, I would just definitely take back my own. But I mean, in, in, in the sense of, being able to be resilient. You know, one of the key pillars is having positive relationships. And I know that you mentioned, you know, having the support of a friend and her energy and how you surround yourself. Listening to what you've had to endure, not just with COVID and your patients and your own mental health and dealing with raising your children. Like I'm just putting it out there because I know I'm like a 50 minute drive. I am here for you. Whatever you need. <laughs> like, I got you. Okay. <laughs> you need someone to sit by the water with, I am here. You need somebody to drink, bring you a bottle of wine, I am here. Okay. I want to support you because of all of the work that you do and the weight that is on your shoulders. Like, we can't carry all that weight by ourselves, right? right? So just know and that. And that I'm here was for you. realizing, and that's kind of what even with brunching beauties over this time of COVID, it was realizing that there is a lot of weight that I carry and I'm sure if I carry it, other women carry it. And how do we kind of lessen the load? And it really is just, it's okay to ask for help. It's really, 
knowing that it's really okay to ask for help. It's almost, and then I saw something like maybe a few months back and it talked about normalizing luxury. And I Mm. thought, oh, like literally all the bells went off. I'm like, yeah, like why do I like the struggle life? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. like clearly I do because I, I want to take everything on and I want to be the superwoman. I want, I can solve and fix. And we're almost but, conditioned as women of color for that. Absolutely. But it's just yeah. like, no. And normalizing luxury is not about like material expense. It's just like whatever is luxury to you. It could be taking a half an hour out of your day because your time is so precious with your kids and whatever it is to go to the lake or the park and be still for 30 minutes, mm-hmm. that could be luxurious for you. Right. Yeah. Or yeah. just finding some time to read a book or enjoy a show, like whatever luxury you define as luxury is just normalizing it instead of normalizing the struggle life, which I right. feel we all do. Like it's, it's, it's almost like we give ourselves permission to struggle. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Absolutely. And, and I started to realize during COVID, I was like, why am I doing this? Like, it's okay if I don't feel like cooking dinner tonight. Like, it, mm-hmm. it really is. It's it's a Tuesday night. There's no I'm I'm not cooking. I can and who cares if my husband wants to be upset if everyone like it, it doesn't really matter. There's he can order here. takeout. He'll survive. And, exactly. <laughs> everyone will survive. Right. Yeah. So it is just realizing that I don't have to struggle like struggling is is really not okay mm-hmm. it, re- it really isn't so you mentioned you know that being I guess part of the or how brunch and beauties came about so what was the intention when you began brunch and beauty the intention really was I always had a strong circle of friends but what I found was you know with life just happening careers relationships families all that stuff we weren't being intentional in getting together. Mm-hmm. And I feel as women that we need to be super intentional about coming together. And it, it, it doesn't need to be anything grand. It's just really being intentional and staying connected. And that time doesn't have to be play dates with our kids. Like I feel as women, if you have children or you're married and you don't have children, whatever, like you need time to just be. Mm-hmm. Hang with your friends. If you are an entrepreneur, you have a, a career, whatever. Sometimes you just need a moment to just kind of just be yourself. So me time. Me time. So, mm-hmm. you know, just key, 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 the gossip. And, and I'm not talking like malicious gossip. Like, girl, did you see what uh, was on the shade room? Oh, my God. <laughs> and, like, you know, like mm-hmm. that type of stuff of just kind of this mindless and just laughing and just being with people that share in that same energy, even for a few hours. And then I realized that also there's a lot of people, like a lot of adult women who don't have friends. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, like they just didn't have any friends to do things with, or they want to do something, but the rest of their friends are not interested in doing. So they just end up not doing it. Yeah, And it's just like, no, like you can still do that. You just got to find other people who want to do the same thing, who are just like-minded. And that's really where Brunching Beauty started was just really connecting outside of my own social circle, just providing those experiences to other women who just really want to connect and just put a pause on their day-to-day life for just a couple of hours. Mm-hmm. I love that whole concept especially because like you said not every woman adult woman has that group of friends or that girl gang that they feel comfortable with or they feel supported by and you know I talk about all the time on social media how grateful I am that I have a group of friends that I have known since eighth right. and ninth grade right right and, right. and like that more is than phenomenal us, right? that is so, like I know them and yeah I think like I I say I was going to call her backside, but (laughs) (laughs) I say to the mutual friend that we have, like how amazing it is that you, your entire group have known each other since like elementary school. Cause when you think about it, like, like I've had the same set of friends for over maybe almost 30 years over definitely over 20 years. But there, I also have some acquaintances that have gone through friends like 
you know, like once a year as a new friend. Yeah. 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 And I'm just thinking like, how do you even do that? Because Mm -hmm. how do you build true connections if you're on to the next one within a year? Right. Right. You know, so I think those things are really, really important. And I feel like as we get older, our relationships at this point should only get stronger. They Mm -hmm. shouldn't get weaker. Mm -hmm. You know, they should really get stronger because we're at an age where some real life shit happens. Yep. You know, like parents become ill, you become ill, like just some loss of jobs and divorces and separations and like just some real heavy duty life stuff happens. Mm -hmm. And I feel like you need your friends or you would hope that you have a few friends that you can really lean on to support you during, during those times. Absolutely. Like I said before, those positive relationships are like a, a core pillar of being able to be resilient. Right. And not everyone is fortunate enough to have friends for that long. But I think as women at this age, if we understand that in order to have good friends, we also need to be a good friend. Absolutely. I think that the space that you created with Brunch and Beauties is beautiful because women from all walks of life can come in and find those like-minded people that they can connect with. Right. Right. And I, and it's, it's important. Like this past weekend, we did like a, a virtual flower therapy thing with the ladies of the pedal pop up. And I'm not going to lie to you. Like I've done, I don't know. I probably don't have done eight events, which this one being the first virtual one, Mm -hmm. I honestly thought it was my best one. Wow. I, I did. A, we had 30 women on a Zoom call. The energy was just, like, the energy was high. It was just short of being magical on, on wow. the call. And That's beautiful. The energy was just great. And women were just really open to new experiences of creating this floral arrangement and not being tied to it has to look like this one, really understanding that it's a creative process. and. Mm-hmm whatever you create is yours and it's beautiful and it doesn't have to be perfect. It's just yours. And it was just like a two hour window, but I came off feeling really, really great. And the messages that I got after was like, it was a really great experience. So I, I mean, again, it is just really finding your tribe and you don't have to know these people for long. You can literally just meet them, but just mm-hmm. connecting with people on a different level and that are sharing in the same type of positive energy that you, that you share. I love it. Speaking of sharing, what is one thing that most people don't know about Nicole? Only my friends. <laughs> I, I, I can be a little ratchet, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I, love I can, like, I, I could put on this, you know, primpus, you know, way about me. Oh, no, don't do that. <laughs> oh, God, no. But <laughs> when you get me around the people who really, really know me, they know, like, the things that come out of my mouth sometimes. And, you know, sometimes I you, have you to, know, did I say that? <laughs> I love it. I love it. I'm, I could totally relate to you on that. So I love it. <laughs> You know, like, yeah, like, Nikki, did you say that? I know. I shouldn't have said that. I'm so sorry. <laughs> like, oh, but I was thinking it. Like, oh, my God. You know? So, yes. thing you'll see me one way, but then those who really, really know me, there is a whole other layer um, that is it's just super fun. I, I, I love life, and I love all that life has to offer. And I, there are times where I can't, I am super serious, but I try to balance that out with just being playful with those who get it and those who I'm very comfortable with and just really laughing and just overall having a really good time and not taking myself too seriously. Right. And that's, that's very important, right? Yeah. But I think something that you mentioned before where you said, you know, people who really know you. And I think as an introvert, people on the outside may perceive us one way and we may come across, you know, serious or what have you. But to your core people, the people that you've built, you know, your, your trust circle, your celebration circle, those people, that intimacy that they know you at, they get the real, real authentic you. And (laughs) I, I have to laugh because, you know, I have a lot of male friends and I think that 
they they can appreciate my bluntness a lot more than you know some of the women um and they'll always say to me based on what comes out of my mouth they're like wow mckinney tell me how you really feel like, right <laughs> yeah it's just like yeah oh sorry i didn't mean to say that but i did <laughs> <laughs> or sometimes it'd be like i'll see something i'm like hey did you see that you saw it too yeah i know like, you know it's just <laughs> you, you just have to like yeah you just have to it's almost like you just those who really know you they're so in tune with you so you could just really be who you are and just really be comfortable and know that you know they're not gonna judge you and they they get the stupid things that you may say or the ah off candor things that you may say but they just totally get you and you in turn feel comfortable just being you yes and i i love what you said about you know not taking yourself too seriously i am i am one i can make fun of myself all the time especially if i'm with my peoples like i can joke about all parts of myself it's fine i'm okay with it i i'm not offended so (laughs) i think being lighthearted about it allows you to be even more lighthearted just about life in general so you're not you know taking offense to everything because girl not everything is meant to offend you either right like honestly right? like she's relaxed we are in an oversensitive culture <laughs> at the moment <laughs> we are and i'm just thinking like sometimes i see things i just think oh i didn't interpret it sometimes i really right? think like am i am i missing something like let me go back and because i didn't see it like oh okay maybe everyone's just super sensitive or maybe yeah. I just don't get it. Like, it, <laughs> yes, know? you know, a, a mutual friend of ours, he had said to me quite a few times within the last couple of months, he says, you know, he'll bring stuff to me and say, what did you think about this? And I'll give my opinion, which is my opinion. And he'll say, I love asking you because your perspective is so open. You know, I saw this online or I saw this on my feed and somebody said this and they got, you know, so sensitive. He said, but you have like the openness of different perspectives and you don't make things like so sensitive and get in your feelings it's right but it's you know it's sometimes it's not about you or it's not sometimes a lot of times it really isn't honestly it really isn't all that serious and it's just like geez people take a chill pill like honestly (laughs) like shit life is already hard enough let's not make it any harder about worrying about all this other stuff like Mm -hmm. oh like just relax like sometimes i really have to say like oh okay it was i didn't think it was that serious but maybe maybe it is Mm-hmm. Can, someone, can someone enlighten me like maybe i missed the message here like but honestly i i really think we are in a very sensitive time and rightfully so there are a lot of things to be sensitive over but i mm-hmm. think also we have to find the beauty in understanding that not everything is meant for us to take it that literal right. and that it's okay just to let some things go Right. Absolutely. My, my mentor always says, if you listen to what people say and you look at what they do, they will tell you and show you that mm-hmm. they are not thinking. So why mm-hmm. do we, you know, it, you know, oftentimes we care about what other people think or when we say stuff, when we do stuff. Yeah. It's not that deep. Don't, don't take it to heart. <laughs> yeah. I, I 100% agree. Like, just don't take it to heart. Just let it go. And it's, and then I'm also like, you know, being introverted and also being a cancer, like I, I can be super <laughs> moody. Like I know this, but I have also learned to manage that. Mm-hmm. Right. So I know like, if I'm really not up for peopling, I'm just going to say like, Hey, my mood's really shitty today. I'm not up for peopling mm-hmm. and be okay because I know by me doing that, I'm protecting you. So right, right? I just, I'm protecting you. So I'm okay with saying, hey, I just need a moment. And then also if I'm just, if something is not sitting right with me, I also believe in just talking about it. Like right. me sitting in it and carrying it helps nobody. So let me just, instead of sitting with it and carrying, be like, hey, like, do you have a moment to talk? Because I kind of felt this and oh, we're good? Great. I I have moved on. Like, you know, once we've had that open dialogue, but to sit with things and let them fester, that's not good. That's not good for anybody. Absolutely. And I love that you use the term peopling because I use that all the time. And I had a friend say to me, is that a word? I'm like, it is my word. It's my word, right? (laughs) I don't feel like peopling today. Sorry. I (laughs) did not feel like peopling all of 2019. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And and it's all... And you know what? And it's okay. Like, I, I think we have to stop playing into that. 
we got to be everywhere. We got to be everything to, no, like it's okay not to be everywhere. It is okay to say no. It's okay saying, oh God, I just don't want to hang out with these people today. Right. And that's just the, that's just the way, because I'm just not going to be able to show up as my best self. And so I'm just not okay with that. Like I just, I don't, I don't want to be around anybody. I just want to be, I love it. I love it. So have you had any coaches or mentors that have helped you at any point, you know, to get to where you are currently? It's probably many years. When I used to work at Sunnybrook, um, I had two. So when I used to work at Sunnybrook, I was surgical oncology. So I was a floor of a bedside nurse. And I remember the shift work was killing me like days to nights, nights to days. And I remember going to my manager and saying, like, I don't know if I can do this. Like, I think I'm ready to leave nursing. I said, no, no, no. She's like, you, you got the magic touch for nursing. You just need to find another type of nursing. I said, Mm. well, I don't know. All I know is there's, you work in, again, you only work in a hospital or you work in a nursing home. I didn't know there were other types of nursing that you could do. And she helped me find, discover community nursing. Mm. So she said, apply to these agencies. And what it essentially looks like is you're providing care in the community, in these people's homes, like post discharge from hospital. Right. You know, so I said, oh, okay. So I applied and got in and I said, well, and I reached out to her and I said, thank you so much because I was much happier. It was a better work and home life balance. Like I, I, I had my little pool of patients that I would see and I would basically set my own hours. So I would work seven. So allow me to get my son to daycare mm-hmm. um, and then pick him up. So I literally worked like seven to two, the days fluctuate depending on how many patients I saw, but it fluctuated and I was super happy. And in that role led me to where I am now. I was working, one of the areas I covered was Forest Hill. So, you know, I, I guess it would be like an upper crust community in Toronto. Mm -hmm. And I had a case manager, Wendy Corber and Wendy was amazing she was four foot nine but she was such a spitfire and I had most of her patients were mine and so we communicated a lot she was the case manager so she essentially was doing what I'm doing now and I remember like after you know maybe about a year or two of her working together she pulled me aside and she said, you know, I watched you over the years. And I said, okay. And I'm thinking like, oh gosh, she's going to tell me something awful. (laughs) And she's like, no, no. Like, you know, I watched you over the years and she's like, you got it. And I'm like, I got what? And she's like, no, you need to come work where I work. Cause she said this, you are beyond this. Like the connection I see you make with your patients and their families and how you communicate with me this is my job is what you need to do. Mm. And she basically walked me through the process of getting hired. And I started working. I was based out of, I was more in a hospital setting. So I was based out of Mount Sinai. Um, And we lost touch. And then on the other day, she popped into my mind, maybe like, not the other day, like maybe a few years ago. Um, So I decided to look her up. And unfortunately, I found that she had passed away. Oh, wow. Um, Yeah, from surprisingly of all things, ALS. Wow. And I remember and her son does like some charitable organ, like some charity type thing in her honor. Mm-hmm. And I remember seeing her, her, when I saw her son, I'm like, that is Wendy's son because she used to talk about him all the time that's when I knew like the love of a mother for a son Mm -hmm. you know is is she just glowed and gloated and spoke so highly of him and I thought when I found the page on um, Facebook and I was I was a I was super sad because I didn't even know and I reached out to him to tell him how how much he meant to me like the impact she had in that part of my career, which led me to where I am today, how important it was. And by reassuring me that you have it, you just need to believe that you have it and you can go on and do amazing things. 
Because I just honestly thought that was it. Like, okay, community nursing, I'm not going to really look into doing anything else. But it was really her, her words of encouragement that pushed me forward. I love it. I love that whole story. And I'm sorry that she passed away. I know, I know. I was sad too. I was very, very sad too. But it's beautiful how she, I guess, encouraged you to be in the position that you are in today because she sees or she saw your passion for what you yes. do and, and how you serve. Yes. She she saw that. She recognized it when even when I didn't, which I think is really important. Um, mm-hmm. Sometimes when you see something in others that they can't see within themselves, sometimes you just need to tell them. Absolutely. You know, and they may not understand it in that moment, but with time they will, and that will resonate with them to help hopefully propel them forward. Absolutely. Wow. Even as you said that just now, I was thinking, I remember maybe like 10 years ago or close to that, I had a complete stranger message me on my Facebook business page and ask me if I ever thought about running in politics. And my response was, heck no no, thank you. (laughs) And they said, you know, I see what you do. I see what you're doing. I think that you should consider it. And I said, "Mm, thanks, but no thanks. And then was it two years ago? I actually ran (laughs) in our provincial election. Absolutely. And I went back and and dug for that message and I found it and I messaged that person. I said, thank you. You saw something in me that I didn't see at the time, but thank you. Yeah. And I think sometimes it's easier for the people on the outside looking in. Mm-hmm, absolutely. You know, because they're not jaded with like, you know, the personal interactions and personal relationships right. they have with you. Their right. relationship with you may be one dimensional, but they see other dimensions that you right. don't even see, right? They see the growth that you don't even see in yourself. And just sometimes the mere fact of mentioning it just sets you on that path to accomplishing that goal. Absolutely. Absolutely. So on a completely random thought, well, not necessarily, but uh, there's, a, there's a random question that I love to ask every woman that comes on the show, because I came across this article that basically says, you know, what your favorite type of shoe says about your personality. And we all know my obsession with stilettos, hence the brand, the walk in my stilettos. Mm-hmm. So my question to you, Nicole, is what is your favorite type of shoe? Is it like a high heel boot, a running shoe, a walking shoe, a stiletto, a flip flop, I don't know, pump, wedge, mule, loafer, boot, mm. I don't know. <laughs> okay, so I feel, okay, I, I have, I, so I love a good stiletto and I also love a good running shoe. Okay. Yeah, and, and the reason, and I think loving both of them really speaks to who I am as a person, so the stiletto is the, you know, the poised, glamorous side of me dressed up. And then the running shoe is the, okay, let's get in the trenches because now you need comfort mm-hmm. and you're going to put in the work with the running shoe. You're going to, you know, you're going to dig in and I, and I wear my running shoes until they're worn out. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I have people tell me that, okay, girl, like, you know, you need to, you know, you need a pair of shoes that you go to the gym in. And then when you get to the gym, you change all of those shoes and you have your workout. I was like, what? I can't just wear the same <laughs> shoe? No. So I, so for me, the workout shoe is the, the dig, get in the trenches, the dig deep, the put in the work. And then the stiletto is the, you know, the, it's almost the. The, the stiletto is the results of all the hard work, the grind right. and the hustle. It's, it's so interesting how you even described what both of those shoes mean to you. Because when I read you, I'm going to read you the description for both because they are basically on track to what you just said. That is hilarious. Oh my God. Okay. <laughs> so for the running shoe, running shoe fans are goal oriented. If you're someone who enjoys fitness challenges, takes your New Year's resolutions to heart, or has been known to go the extra mile with a label maker, you bet you prefer running shoes. This is someone who is very confident, very goal-oriented, and very organized. They really illustrate the idea of multitasking, taking care of everything, and being everywhere. I always think of moms when I picture their running shoe. 
Wow. Okay. <laughs> Makes sense. Okay. Okay. All right. And women in flashy stilettos work hard and have excellent taste. Women who wear flashy stilettos like Jimmy Choo's on Christian Louis Vuittons or other heels aspired by their aesthetic may seem materialistic, but these women are actually incredibly hardworking. They yes. have major drive, determination, and standout work ethic. This is someone who says yes before she says no. She is willing and very open to possibilities. She also really loves and values beauty. So she surrounds herself with beauty, whether it be in things, people, or how she lives. It doesn't have to be expensive. It just has to be pleasing to the eye. You'll walk in and go, oh, what a lovely room. Or, oh, this is so inviting. She has a knack for being able to create an aesthetically pleasing space. Wow. Oh, my God. Does that sound like you? Yes. Yes. They're both super, super spot on. That's amazing. Awesome. That's amazing. That's good. That's really, really good. Before we go to the final segment of the show, I want you to tell people where they can stay connected with you online. Uh, at on Instagram at Brunching Beauties, and I have a website www.brunchingbeauties.com, and on Facebook, Brunching Beauties. Awesome, awesome. So I will have the direct links in the detailed section of your episode, so they can just click and connect with you directly. Fantastic. They don't have to search too far. Yay! Awesome! Yay! <laughs> <laughs> So the final segment of the show, I call it a walk in her wisdom. And I just ask a couple of reflection questions and you share the first thing that comes to mind. Okay. Name a book that has changed or greatly impacted your life. The Four Agreements. Hmm. Uh, I haven't read that one. What's that about? It is by Don Miguel. I think it's Ruiz. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically it's a practical guide to personal freedom there are four agreements in there that kind of really help you govern your life. And like it's the, so the first, the four agreements are basically the first one is be impeccable with your word. So mm-hmm. always speak with integrity. The second one is do not take anything personally because mm-hmm. a lot of times it's not even about you. Mm-hmm. It's about the other person's own reality or what they're dealing with and they're projecting it on you. Do not make assumptions. And the last one is always do your best. Awesome. I love it. I love it. Yeah. If you could have a gigantic billboard anywhere with anything on it, what would it say and why? Always laugh. Mm. And why? Because laughter is, is really food for the soul. It really, really is like a good laugh even a little bit of a chuckle can really change the mood of your day instantly can change your mood instantly. So I would say always laugh. Awesome. Name one of the most worthwhile investments you've ever made. And that could be money, time, energy. Okay. So last year I paid for swimming lessons. Awesome. Yeah, I, I don't know how to swim. I didn't know how to swim. And I was tired of going on vacation and seeing all my friends show off and pop off styling <laughs> what they know how to swim and I don't know how to swim. Or if I go in the ocean, I'm petrified because I think I'm convinced I'm going to drown. <laughs> so I, I came home and I'm like, and then my kids swimming, like, you know, big breaststrokes and all kinds of like okay so clearly i need some lessons so i paid for swimming lessons and i I am not a great swimmer but i can swim so that was the best investment i have made ever (laughs) was taking swimming lessons yes i love it i love it i love it i love it what new belief behavior or habit has improved your life in the last five years behavior is being i'm already feel like i'm an open person but just to be a lot more open. It's okay to share how I feel. And if something is bothering me to speak about it. Mm -hmm. And once I speak about it, I feel like I release it. And if it's, especially if it's something towards how someone is treating me. And if I have that conversation, I say, this is how I feel based on your treatment uh, towards me. And your behavior doesn't change, then I need to change. Right. And that's something I've been very intentional and really paying attention to that, hey, I've said this, you keep doing the same thing. And I keep saying I don't like it. So clearly, then now I need to do something different, because I'm not okay with you allowing you to continue to treat me this way. 
I love it. I love it. Okay, last but not least, what do you wish women would do more of? Get therapy. Mm, love it. Get therapy. I get therapy. Love it. <laughs> get therapy. Get therapy. Get therapy. Get therapy. Um, and it doesn't. And getting therapy doesn't necessarily mean, oh my god, there's something wrong with me. Absolutely right. not. But I do feel like sometimes, as people, especially as women, um, just like your car, your car needs an oil change every so often. Mm-hmm. Having access to a therapist every so often can act as an oil change. Sometimes you just might be in a place in your life where you may need a unbiased, someone who doesn't really know you opinion to help guide you to the other side. Um, And there's no shame in, in accessing a therapist. There's no shame in doing that because I feel like, yes, we can lean on our friends, but our friends are tied to, you know, knowing our history and knowing us and Mm -hmm. all those other things. Well, a therapist doesn't know anything about you. Right. So they're going to really just take the information that you're telling them and help you and guide you on to how to come to the other side. So I feel that what most women, women should get therapy. There's absolutely nothing wrong with it. Nothing wrong with it whatsoever. And you don't need to have severe trauma in your life to access a therapist either. Right. I love that you said that for so many reasons. I mean, we've had so many women that have come on and have mentioned having a therapist and how life-changing that has been for them. And I want that to be something or the conversation to be normalized for women because there's a stigma that if you see a therapist, something's wrong with you. And like you just said, consider it like an oil change. It's all about perspective, right? And I have had to see therapists multiple times in my life. Mm -hmm. And most recently, I'm going to say the greatest sessions have been for me. I've actually had sessions with different types of counselors, therapists, and coaches over the past year to work on different areas of my life. Absolutely. And it's been mind-blowing, the aha moments and the, I'm going to say the personal development work that it's it's helped me to dig into so that I can break, you know, I'm going to call them generational curses and things that have happened yep. from childhood traumas or things that have happened recently, or even how I'm mentally able to cope through COVID as someone who struggles with anxiety. Like having a therapist has been life-changing for me. And I think it would be for most women just to have someone just to really talk to without any judgment, a really safe space as someone that you can just air offload on and then their job is to help you get back on track or help you dig deeper to sort out why you are feeling this way or what led you to this particular problem and how to now come out on the other side. I, I don't see anything wrong with it. I think you're absolutely right. We need to normalize therapy. There, A lot of people tie it to the idea of this mental this the stigma surrounding mental health and mm-hmm. no i i think everyone could use a tune up an oil change with a therapist at any different points in mm-hmm. our lives and there's nothing wrong with it Absolutely. and i also feel like sometimes if some things are just not going your way just mm-hmm. not going right aside from prayer i think sometimes the answer in prayer is therapy Right. Thank you. (laughs) I actually had a minister on where we talked about that because I know that a lot of times in the faith-based environments, you know, oh, just pray. Yes, we can pray and we can ask God to, I'm going to say, help us Mm -hmm. get onto the path that he's chosen for us. But therapy will Mm -hmm. help your prayers come true much faster. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. God helps those who help themselves and help yourself with some therapy and God will help you even further. Okay. (laughs) I fully believe that. Like sometimes the answer is God is just throwing these nuggets at you, like saying, Hey, like throwing the bricks at your head and you're not catching them. Sometimes it Mm -hmm. needs to be like, okay, I'm giving you the signs of what you need to do, but you're still very clouded in your movement. You need to go to therapy to uncloud. Right. And then you will receive what it is that I'm trying to give you. Amen. Yes. Thank you, Nicole. Yeah. 
Honestly, thank you for taking the time to join us and share your story with us. I truly, truly appreciate you. I appreciate you, McKinney. I I just want to say I am so proud of you, my friend. Thank you. Of everything, like truly a walk in her saddles. Like you have done so much and and will continue to do great things. And I I feel wholeheartedly that you have found your calling in the podcast. And I feel that you have found your calling in and being an author and teaching other women how to write their stories and put their stories in print. Like, I think that is so important that you have kind of demystified (laughs) all of that and just show them that there is a way to do it and be successful at it. So my hat is off to you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. I honestly, I am, I'm almost at a loss for words. I'm like, oh, don't cry. Don't cry. Don't cry. Don't <laughs> I've been cry. crying on so many of the podcasts recently. I'm just like, oh, yes, I got through today without crying. Don't cry. Don't cry. <laughs> <laughs> thank you again, Nicole. <laughs> no, thank you, McKinney. Thank you so much. <laughs> and to all of you faith walkers out there, until next time, subscribe on all platforms. And don't forget to rate the show and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Join the community of Faith Walkers and sign up for our weekly newsletter at awakenmystilettles.com and grab one of my personal development books available online everywhere. And if you could think of one person that would receive value from today's show, please share it with them. Share Nicole's testimony with them and be sure to screenshot and you can tag us on Instagram at Brunch and Beauties and at The Real McKinney Smith and continue to walk in greatness in your stilettos in a manner worthy of your calling.